here we go. And I love how we start our day. I don't know if it's your morning, your afternoon, or probably your night. It's Monica Go. Thank you for connecting with me today. And today I'm in London. Could you believe it? I've been recording my podcast in different several cities around the world, and you're part of my inspiration. But I have someone today that has rocked my world. She is the craziest woman that I've noticed in the last couple of months. She is an activist. And I love activists because they really do something for people. Daisy Gideon, if you would say it in Spanish, Daisy Gideon. Oh my God. She's a journalist. She's a filmmaker. She's an entrepreneur. But I love the activist in her because right after darkness in her life, just God bombarded her to think about others. And I want her to tell the story while we chat with you. And just pay attention. She's going to inspire you. Daisy, thank you for coming into Monica Go today. I'm delighted and grateful that you thought my story was good enough to share with your audience. So thank you very much. I love it. Please don't even say that. You know how we met? Well, we're here in a conference, a women's conference. There's a lot of people. You really don't even have to connect. But us two, we, we were throwing some photographs at this monument in downtown in Women of World War II. Women of World War II and kind of like we would just drifted there because we believe in different areas that we are those warriors of yes. this time. And, and, and I came up with a caption that said, they're the women of World War II, we're the women of 2022. Oh, that's the caption we're going to use with that photo. I love it. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to send it to me I because really I haven't, you have to share it to me because I need to, I need to blast it on yeah. my social media. Sure. Well, tell us about Daisy Gideon. What is involved? Why did she become an activist? What is the craziness behind all this movie? Mm. So, you know, I started my career as a journalist working in sport many years ago, probably 25 years ago. And I thought that that was my destiny because I was such a sportswoman, loved sport. But in 1988, I got drawn by my mother to go back to where I was born, which is Lebanon. And Lebanon in 88 was a war zone, as many of your listeners might know, and the younger ones probably didn't know, but Lebanon went through 15 years of horrid civil war. It's a land of terrorists and kidnappers, and I wanted nothing to do with it growing up as a child. In 88, I went back. Went back from where? I was in Australia, living in Surrey. Yeah, we grew up <laughs> in Australia. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we migrated when I was five, and I grew up all my life in Australia. And I decided, you know, to listen to my mother. So I went back and I I saw the war. It was a hellhole. It was terrible, especially Beirut. But then I saw so much more traveling around the country and I got to know the people and I, I just fell in love with the country in spite of the battles and the wars and the, and the devastation um, and the rumors and the stories and the interpretations and the misinformation. And as a journalist, I went back to Australia and said to my paper, we need to actually tell the full story, not just one side of the story. And I need to move from sport to foreign affairs. And that's when really my activism started. Oh my and God, so they from were sports to foreign affairs. Wow, what a divide, what? right? <laughs> from one, one, one point to another. another. I... Such a huge shift, right? Yeah. But what? What was going on in your personal life? Because 
being that activist, it just it just didn't pop up as you were mentioning. You were living in Australia. Yeah. I know that you have children, adult children. Now, Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the journey, you know, many years later. So I pursued that career in foreign affairs, worked as a foreign correspondent, travelled the world for many years. Made a documentary, my first documentary on Lebanon back in the 90s. Um, and then, you know, that was all part of the start of my activism, but still within journalism and all about truth. So really my activism comes from being a journalist and a true journalist. So true journalists are presenting the facts to the people, listening to the people, listening to the stories, listening to honestly present the facts to people. And unfortunately, journalism has gone out the window these days. You what? find you're such a shock. Oh, Everyone's opinionated. Everyone's giving you their point of view instead of presenting the facts for us to deter decide for ourselves. You said something so key there. The facts, yeah. the real truth. It doesn't matter who you believe in or what you're thinking of. The facts will talk about themselves. And they allow you as an individual to decide for yourself. No one's taking that right away from you. We do not have the right to tell you. You should get the facts and you should be able to make the decision. You have free will. God gave us all free will. So we're being manipulated and this is just the way of the world, unfortunately. It's always been there, but we're more manipulated because media is far more um, effective and a broad stream now. So we have to be careful. We need to you know, do our research. It's up to us in the so end. So you're not living in Australia. So yes, to bring you up to today, um, the last five, six today. years, I've been working on a documentary which was released last year. It was about Lebanon. And to, to your point earlier, 2016, I was going through a terrible divorce um, and my world was very, very difficult. I was building my business to support myself to pay for my legal fees, which was an exhausting experience, but it really was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because in the end today, I have financial freedom because I built a business that now is supporting me financially and I have stability and I can support my children. But at the same time that was happening, God whispered in my ear, because that's the only way I can describe it. I had exactly. this whisper in my ear saying, it's time, it's time, it's time. And I knew what that meant. It's time to go back and make the next film about Lebanon. And I thought, I don't have time. Anyway, six months later, the, the whispering became screaming, like deafening in my head until I decided and said, okay. As soon as I said, okay, everything quietened down and I just put the plan in. And five years later, I finished a documentary last year about Lebanon called Enough, Lebanon's Darkest Hour, which was invited to the Cannes Film Festival last year. Cannes in France. In France, yes, the oh. one and only. Oh. And it won a humanitarian award. I had to escape Australia because we, we were in lockdown and they didn't want me to leave and I had to pull levers left, right and centre to go to Cannes. It won the Movie That Matters Award. It's a humanitarian award that was um, given alongside the main festival. We we got we didn't get selected to the final official selections, but we got invited to um, this humanitarian award, and we won the Movie That Matters award. And since then, it's gone on to be invited to more than 36 festivals around the world. It's won 19 international awards, and we released in Australia in December, launched in Lebanon in April. 
six months, six weeks before the elections and the film was all directed at the elections because we were trying to say, hey, people, get out and vote and vote against the people who are who are oppressing you, who are taking away your dignity, who stripped you of your basic needs, no electricity, no water, no roads, no education, no, no medication. You just don't understand. And then on top of that came the Beirut port explosion on August 4, 2020, when it was a catastrophe. The country is suffering. It's at 82% poverty, the World Bank report, the most recent one. And I'm living there now because I decided I need to be there to get you, you more information. You are there, but you're, you're also in a, in a place of danger for your life. I am, and it was a problem going to launch the film there in April. I had more than 20, 30 people, including ambassadors who'd seen the film, saying, you can never step in, back into Lebanon again. This was when we were screening around the world at festivals. People said to me after they saw the film, there is no way what you've done because I interviewed the former Prime Minister Hariri. I interviewed the former... You did not. I did. I interviewed seven or eight ministers of the government. Shabram Basile, one of the most hated men in Lebanon. Hezbollah gave me the first interview in 16 years. Um, the former Justice Minister, I mean, Dr. Jaja, the leader of the Lebanese forces. I interviewed these people in 2017 and 2018. And when the film came out, I just presented them with their own words, I didn't take any sides. And I think the film has won global attention because it's impartial. I didn't go after anyone. I just presented all of them, one after the other, to the people, including and showing the people. When you watch this film, your heart breaks. I mean, people, I wanted to show what's at stake. I learned that from a great filmmaker, Aaron Sorkin and others like Martin Scorsese, you have to show the people what's at stake, the people to be engaged. I showed the world what's at stake if we lose Lebanon. And these people, these alleged leaders who are still controlling Lebanon are sitting there, they've become billionaires, billionaires. And we see it in other and countries. The poverty of the and people. The, and they see the people, and I'm living there now for five months and I've witnessed it, I've experienced the difficulty and I still don't understand how they are living. And if it wasn't for their families around the world sending them money to survive, these people could not survive. For example, in the last three years, a soldier's salary has gone from $800 a month to $40 a month. It costs $20 to fill up a tank in your car. Let me ask you a question. Women there, mm. how are women living in Lebanon? God bless women. I mean, if it wasn't for the women, organizing and getting around and being what I asked I've been doing Vox Pops in across Lebanon recently how do you survive they say you know as families we pool our resources the only way we can survive women have it tough but everyone has it tough but women are the secret ingredient to getting out of this crisis exactly women Lebanese women if you watch the film, and I hope you all get to see the film, Tom Fletcher, the former UK ambassador, is featured in the film as well. And he said Lebanon was the first Middle Eastern country to get the vote. Women were the leaders, the pioneers, and now women's voices have been silent and they have the least representation in politics in the whole of the Middle East. How is that possible? How do women perceive you in Lebanon? Do you have friends? Do somebody, I, does somebody open up with you? 
Does somebody come to you, hey Daisy, I have this this burden. I, I'm going through this turmoil. Do you have those type of people? I have. This is this is this connection that you're talking about is what drives me. Everywhere I go, as you know, I'm not this arrogant, stuck-up journalist filmmaker. I'm down with everyone. I'm for the people. This is what my films are. It's the voice of the people. I have made beautiful, beautiful friends in the most impoverished areas. One of them, I fell in love with this lady who just the most beautiful eyes. She's a Shiite. She's in the Bekaa Valley. They've got nothing. Her husband used to be a soldier in the army. They've got nothing, but she's just so beautiful. The kindness of these people all over the country, south, north, Beirut, everywhere. Yes, I have many beautiful friends and they are the thing that I'm working for. They are the people I'm driving for. <laughs> I just love it. And I really am. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so privileged that I live in Australia. Or I have income from Australia. And I have spent my own money to make this film. I'm spending my own money to Where build can we see this, film? this team in Lebanon to help me continue to drive mm. this, this um, the work and show the world exposes uh, to the world. Right now, I'm updating it with just a new segment after the elections because the elections were in May 2022 okay. but I promise you as soon as we're ready to launch we are traveling the world we'll be on world tour early next year traveling around the world to bring it to people and audiences all over the world and I promise okay, you I'll so let you know if you're in the states yes I'm in Florida right now we're in London people right now we're <laughs> in London my beautiful people from Monica go you have to Tell me, hey, where Monica, are you? In I'm, Florida. In, I'm in Orlando, Florida. Okay, well, we screened it last year at the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival, where it won Best Documentary. Oh, I wish no. I knew you. We had a sellout crowd, and um, yeah, and we it was wonderful. But we will be back because there's a huge I have community. Goosebumps. I have goosebumps. Thank you. Oh, my dear. Thank you. Thank Women. you for this opportunity, honestly. Oh, Thank you. Audiences all up. This is not just about Lebanon. This film speaks to anyone who feels downtrodden, oppressed, whose voice is not heard. It's just Lebanon is the worst example happening in the world today. It's, that. it's just, it's just the the represent. It really represents what could be happening in many countries. Exactly. So exactly. that is something that I, I love our men. But when men know know how to maintain their place without stepping on their wives or, yeah. or their women it's a big yeah. human a uh, uh, huge uh change for women yeah and i think that you and i and all of the women that are listening to us and even you gentlemen who wherever you are yes we all got a responsibility we are in a free world we were made free by god mm. and people like daisy gideon is doing such a beautiful work what are you doing are you changing somebody's life today you know feeding someone or just smiling to someone things start by the little things and she had to go through the hardest time a divorce to come to her senses and god said to said to her it's time you know it's time for you too it's time for you wherever you are in the world and i know you guys you're listening, you're looking for inspiration, and this woman, Daisy Gideon, is going to bring you to your knees and to call up to God. 
where could we find you in your social media? Um, social media, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and um, LinkedIn. My name is spelled a bit weird, Daisy with a Z, so D-A-I-Z-Y, Gedeon with a G-E-D-E-O-N. Um, and if you follow me, and please reach out. I love to engage with people. I've had such a wonderful engagement over the last year and a half, two years with people telling, inspiring me too with their comments. And I'm so grateful because I feel like they are, the message is being received globally. And I'm very happy from all walks of life, people have contacted me. But thank you again, Marina. This has been a wonderful conversation. Daisy Gideon with Monica Go today. Oh Don't worry, sweetie. You know Maria, friend, that's my second no, I've got name. I'm bringing a Marina Go. That's why. <laughs> Monica Go. But Monica let me tell going. you today. No, forget it. We know how to connect. Yeah. Everybody, guys, remember this day. It's your time. It's your day. And you know what? Give it a go because God already gave a go for you. Blessings wherever you are.